Bible and prayer, and in that Bible and, and prayer, you have the truth and you have deception. So we need to look at both of those as we examine as God speaks to us. Of course, he speaks to us through circumstances, through people. Uh, but again, we just need to be aware of the partial truths and deceptions that can come. And uh, so that's where I'm at with this. So hopefully that other topic as well, you can say, oh, golly, bring a friend. You know, that way if we don't like something, you can throw, in fact, bring some eggs. You know, eggs are very expensive these days, aren't they? So you can't bring the eggs and throw them at me because they're very expensive. But on the other hand, you can make a lot of money if you have chickens. <laughs> Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you and we give you praise for who you are. And Lord, I just pray that as we begin this uh, sermon series, Lord, that you just touch our hearts. And Lord, that we can learn and we can be open, that our hearts and spirits will be open to what all you'd have to say to us today. I pray that you anoint me through your Holy Spirit to preach this message for your glory. And we just thank you, we thank you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. The question, this question comes from all corners of the Christian faith, and that is, does God speak to us today? I was convinced that God spoke and called me into the pastoral ministry years ago. And my process, I wanted to know God's will. I wanted to know, is he speaking to me? Was this from you, God, or not? He gives us signs as we go along uh, the way. So I knew through prayer. I knew through a confirmation from my, my Christian friends that I really trusted in the Lord, uh, through Bible revelation, uh, through spiritual discernment and timing, all, all went into confirming my call in pastoral ministry. We need the checks and balances. Without the checks and balances, that's when the church and Christians get into trouble. Not only that, but sometimes if, we, if we're not listening correctly or we keep missing things that God is telling us or not, it can affect the faith, one's faith, and whatever. It can be uh, a source of discouragement as well. So, so, but there's not a perfect science here. What I'm saying, we're going to share with you, doesn't mean that I'm 100% right because I have been wrong in discerning God's voice in my life. So I come before you very humbly also saying that it's not that I've gotten it right 100% of the time, but I've learned a lot through the years, and I want to pass that on to you as well. That sound fair? Okay, so my first thought is the word. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. And let's start reading verses 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you, you know from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the ancient scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the growing Christian must be driven by both the knowledge of the word of God and applying its truths to their lives. I'm going to say this. That's going to be the theme for today. We need to have a working understanding of the word of God and apply its truths to our lives. 
that is so, so important in discerning God's voice. Amen? And amen. Verses 16 and 17. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul said the Bible covers what education, encouragement, correction, everything for living life and equipping us to accomplish God's purposes. But Paul made it very clear here that all Scripture is God-breathed and not based on human logic. The Bible is the standard by which hearing God's voice is calling in our lives and even our thoughts and our ideas must be measured. We measure everything by the Word of God. Everything by the Word of God, you have to measure it. Does it line up? What God is telling me, I feel God is saying something to me, does it line up with the Word of God? And we would be looking more and more at this as we go up through the, uh, these weeks. That is so, so important. Sometimes we forget that. You know, out of our enthusiasm, whatever, we forget, does it line up with the Word of God? I tell you, I've seen people get very discouraged and their faith devastated because they thought they heard God's Word. They thought it was going to be the truth, and it wasn't. So we just need to be uh, very, very uh, cautious with that. Don't measure by your desires. All of us have wants. All of us, I can tell you, I can tell you that early in my, in my Christian walk, and this is applied to my wife, who was convinced that our daughter would live, and God had given her and her, her a small group, a prayer group, some prophecies, and one was that she, my daughter would have a new, new birth. All of her friends in that worship group, that prayer group, all strong, very strong Christian women, they knew what that meant. That new birth was not to come on this side of heaven. But my wife, now I'm not picking on Jan, because all of us, most of probably do the same thing. She said, no, 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 no. That means she can have a new birth this side of heaven. Why? Because that was her desire. That was a natural thing. She wanted her daughter to live. So sometimes in our own desire or whatever, or sometimes our own stubbornness, we hang on to something that isn't true because we want it so bad. That's what makes it sometimes so difficult in discerning is God really speaking or not because we get in the way. We get in the way. And I think God is telling us we need to get out of the way. We need to keep seeking his faith through obedience, being faithful, and seeking his righteousness, and all through his word. Uh, so if we can do that, we're going to be, we're going to hit a very good percentage of the hearing from God if we do these things. I, I firmly believe that. Number two, Rudy, I think you'll do. The, 
the, the importance of getting, of getting Christianity right. John 17, 17 through 19. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me, Jesus is saying, into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Jesus was praying for his disciples, but he was not only praying for his disciples who gathered with him, but he's also praying for all Christians through the ages. Okay, let's go back. How many remember, like some of you weren't even born at this time, uh, Jim Jones, People's Temple. Now, Jim Jones grew up as a Christian, but somehow Satan got into his life. He got involved with, with independent assemblies of God. He attended many of the conferences. He was Pentecostal. He was a cult leader. If you look him up on, in history, that's how he'd be identified, a cult leader. He was a preacher, and he was a healer. He had a way to persuade people. He had, he had great gifts. But he believed that he was the manifestation of God. That came from him. He was the manifestation of God with supernatural abilities. And at one conference years ago, a prophet prophesied over him that he would be a prophet with a great ministry. We know the rest of the story. He took, finally, he was tired of the United States or whatever, and he was a socialist, he was a communist. And so he moved him out and went to Africa. Remember? That's when it all happened. Murder, suicide. Over 900 people either committed suicide or they resisted and they were killed. But he made them all drink, so to speak, the Kool-Aid. Why? Because he told them. He told them. He said, don't be afraid to die. Don't be afraid to die because when we all die together, then we're going to move to another planet and live in peace. People died for that. People died for that. Throughout history, we have heard of charismatic leaders who have duped people, gullible people, with, with signs, wonders, with wisdom, with dreams and visions. I'm very, very careful here because we have seen or know of some, and I'm just saying some, tele-evangelists who claim that God has given them this outlandish revelations, while at the same time they are acquiring substantial offerings from those people 
because they've been promised that if you plant the seed, if you plant the seed, God will bless. He will bless every time. If you plant the seed, that is wrong. That is so wrong. And we need to speak up to that. I remember I was working out on my apparatus, my stair climber thing. I was watching a, an evangelist on television. And before he pleaded for the money, he said to the people, don't go in debt. Don't charge things because that is wrong, wrong, wrong. And then he asked for money. At the same time, he said, and you can use your credit card. I'm thinking, do you think that I'm that stupid? Do you think well, you have to say, I want it so bad that I'm going to deceive myself? That is wrong. And they need to be called up. They do. And we need to speak up. And they're out there. And some of them are on television. Some of them are in our neighborhood churches as well. Doesn't it sound like I'm really blasting uh, pastors? I'm just telling you the truth. It's out there. And all I can say, and I won't say the church, but Mike Hand knows what I'm talking about here. I was uh, had a, at, a, at a wedding. We were at a wedding yesterday, and a the father of the bride, they now attend a church that, that Mike Hand attended years ago. And he, he told me, he said, that church is... $33 million in debt. Why? Because of the pastor. Why would any church, whatever, let a pastor have that much control? Is beyond me. But it happens because some of them can get people, they just want to hear this, they want to hear that, and they think it's truth, and pretty soon they, they think that pastor's almost right next to God, and he's not. He puts on his shoes and socks, his pants the same way we do. So, and here's one too. Some pastors, I'm going to say some, a few, they will justify their adultery by believing they found their soulmate through Cheating and abandoning their wives. Why? Because they say, well, I'm, she doesn't make me happy anymore. Or she doesn't satisfy my needs. Sometimes they don't even divorce. They just continue having the affairs. And that, my friends, is a big problem in church ministry today. It's bigger than you realize. I've dealt with this myself at least on two occasions of these very things happening. It's out there. It's happening. Because it's so easy for Satan to get in there and to manipulate people and pastors. Don't put a pastor on the pedestal. Don't do that. That's not good for you. It's not good for the pastor. Respect, yes. Listen, hopefully he can shepherd you, yes. But don't put, uh, make him who, he's really, who he isn't. Don't put him up there with Jesus. Okay? You guys don't. So praise God for that. You're in. Okay, my last thought in this regard is the Internet. The Internet can be, I'm not the Internet guy, as Mike Hand knows. 
You know, I just kind of plug along, but I do know I'm getting more and more involved in the Internet. It's a wonderful tool, isn't it? I mean, my goodness, we have, what, phones today? I don't have those phones. But you say, how much is Tiger Woods worth? Oh, okay, how much is Tiger Woods, Woods worth? Okay, uh, $600 you know, million. We got all these answers right there, don't we? Right there at our fingertips. But there's also the other side of that coin. There are also some so-called, some, I'm just saying, some are legitimate prophets who claim that they have, God has given them revelation, give them specific details on events that's going to happen, and they don't happen. What does that do to faith? Someone that's really on the edge of whatever, that can really blow them away. Jesus said in verse 17, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Here Jesus wants us to be sanctified. That means to be set apart by the truth, principles, and promises in his word. One problem today is that I think that so many Christians don't believe that the Bible is absolute truth. That used to really get me when I was in seminary back in the day because I thought, well, if we don't believe that the Bible is absolute truth, then how do we discern what is truth? That was just the philosopher in me. I just love the, to just think about these things. Sometimes I drive Jan crazy, but that was the way my mind worked. Then, therefore, how do we know you have truth? You have truth? You have truth? You have truth? How do I know that? If you don't believe the Bible is absolute truth, then then we, what, what's our measure? We're measuring by our own standards, our own understanding of things. So, anyway, I don't mean to yell at you, Rudy. I'm sorry. I just kind of was, was pointing at you a few times there. I want to give you an example of how I believe is a really helpful tool. We have some friends that we've supported at Northern Illinois University they really, back in the day, they've been at, at there doing ministry for 25 years. It started with Campus Crusade for Christ. Now it's Athletes in Action. And so they've been very involved. Their kids basically have, I think, one or two still at, at home. And one in college, one out of college, whatever. And so they f- have felt uh, that God's calling them to leave NIU. So they've been praying about it. And they were praying about... <coughs> Excuse me. And individually too, they've been praying about a a a university in Florida somewhere, some college. And so they went to visit, and lo and behold, they uh, they encountered a couple, and they start talking. They didn't know them talking about the ministry they, and the need for that campus. And that's exactly what Brent and Stephanie and Norton what they do. So I want to share with you, we just received with a monthly uh, letter this past week, and I just picked out a couple paragraphs from, from his letter talking about, uh, about how God has moved this, pro- uh, this process. He said, Seven, uh, several weeks prior to this encounter with this couple I was telling you about, we had both been individually looking online at colleges in that area. 
And without either of us even knowing what the other was doing, we both had been praying specifically for this particular college in Florida. We began to sense the Lord might be paving the way for our next season of ministry. That's all positive. They're praying, whatever, and they're getting confirmation even when they weren't praying together. They say they started to sense that God was really involved in their process. Then he said, we began to earnestly seek the Lord over this. We had multiple conversations with leadership, sought counsel with trusted friends, engaged with our kids, and reached out to the Regional Fellowship of Christian Athletes Leadership as well. Then Brent continued, we, look, we, we took a vision trip to campus, that campus in December, as we continued to lay this before the Lord. That week, we truly sensed that God was leading in us in this and that we were ready to take a step of faith. I close with this. He, he said, a verse of Scripture that has been on our hearts throughout this prayerful process is Psalm 37.5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. Would they do? They prayed, they sought confirmation, and they went to the word through the Holy Spirit trying to discern God's will for them. God is not playing games with us. He's not making it like a big, you know, puzzle that you lay on the table and you're trying to piece, piece it together. God is not a God that wants us to squirm like that. If we are sincerely seeking him, he will guide our paths along the way. Amen. Then it's our job or our call to step out in faith and trust him. It was my call to step out in faith once I knew that God called me into the ministry I had to pull the trigger. I had to step out in faith, and I had to do it. So that's important to see God's part and our part. Once you know, once you know what you know, what you know, what you know, what you know that God's in it, then you've got to take that step, that step of faith. Amen? All right. So I'm encouraging all of you here today, like Brent and Stephanie Batiste, to whatever God is telling you and calling you to do, you hear his voice, then you need to confirm it through scripture. Find a brother and sister in Christ, whatever it is. You say, you know, man, I don't know where to go with this. This is where I'm at. Could you pray with me and see if God gives you something? Pray the word. God will give you something through his word to either confirm yes or no. Okay, but we need to remember this, that God, and this is very, very important, will never lead us to do something that is contrary to his word. Never. And sometimes that's hard to discern, isn't it? It's also good, by the way, this is a side note, to, to know somebody that has the gift of discernment. That helps a lot. That helps a lot. And that's one of the gifts God's given me. It might, probably my, my strongest gift is gift of discernment. I can usually smell a rat a mile away. 
you know, I can usually tell when something is wrong spiritually because God just lays it on me. Not all the time. I'm not saying you know everything. But see, find someone that has the gift of discernment. Say, listen, I want to run this by you. See what you think. See how God is leading you in this. Maybe, is he telling you something about this? That's why it is so important that we use our gifts in discerning what God's will is. Amen? Amen. Number three. Do I have any Catholics in here? Ex-Catholics? Okay, really Catholic. Okay, wow, okay. Any, any Protestant, mainline denominations, Presbyterians, Lutherans? No, we got, we got the Catholics, and we have... I can't see it because we're online. Okay. So, I did, didn't I? Somebody could be reading my lips, too. I never thought of that. Whatever. Okay, that, this is the third one. Be cautious with biblical doctrine. Let's look at Philippians 3, 7, and 8, and 10. Paul said, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For those for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Verse 10, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings becoming like him in death. Paul used consider here three times, which means to evaluate. Paul reminded the Philippians that faith is centered on knowing Jesus as Lord and the power of his resurrection. See, Paul was once what? He was a ritual guy. Paul was a Pharisee. He called himself what? The Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was trained by the by the best. I was a priest. I knew everything. I knew the traditions. I followed the traditions. And I would what? I would even attack those that did not follow the traditions of the faith. He knew it all. He knew all the confessions. He knew everything. And yet he said what? He said, once I found Christ, I know him. I can consider that garbage. It's an interesting word, translation. It depends on where you're at, but you say that's very harsh. But he's trying to make a point here. He was trying to make a point. Now, back in my other life as a pastor, I won't mention the denomination, though I've already have done that. I went to a meeting years ago with the, with the, the cluster pastors there. And for whatever reason, we start talking about faith and journey and, and how... What is, what is the priorities, whatever. And one pastor said, well, you know, to build a faith and make a faith, you know, the church strong, then it starts there with the people and all the trappings. That's what starts. And I said to him, I was very pastoral myself. I said to him, I said, excuse me, I just kind of disagree with that. I said, because it starts to me, with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in the heart. It doesn't start there. That's important. But it starts first in the heart. 
Well, I heard some amen, so we're, we're good in that part. And, and so we, we respectfully disagreed at that point. But if you look at throughout biblical history, there have been many leaders and theologians have believed that theology, Christian doctrines, the creeds, the rituals, the uh, confessions took precedence over a personal experience with Jesus Christ. That has followed where you came from or whatever, where I came from and other churches where it's all about the creeds. I have a worship book. I should have brought it for you. It's worn out. I still have it today, and sometimes I use it. And it's, it's loaded with the confessions, you know, the Apostles' Creed and other great confessionals in there, because that's where, how I was trained. So that one pastor who we disagreed with, I knew where he was coming from, because I'd studied what he had studied. Now, don't get me wrong. The doctrines, the creeds, the confessions are all very important. They are. Why? Because they point us to Christ. So sometimes in our, whatever, when we leave maybe a denomination, whatever, we say, oh, that stuff is, no, it's not. It's good. Those creeds are good. Those confessions are good. But they only point us to Christ. They don't save us. Only Jesus Christ saves. Therefore, that as God speaks to us, or we think we hear in his voice, then we need to evaluate all things through the eyes of Christ. That is what Paul is saying. Everything must be interpreted through the eyes of Christ, not the other stuff, but Jesus. I, what did he say? I consider all is lost. It's all about Christ. The church is all about Christ. Your faith walk is all about Christ and him crucified and the power of his resurrection. Mine as well. Amen? Okay, you're all really excited about this series, I can tell. So I'm going to finish with number four, personalize your faith. Okay, we're going to be looking at Close you. How does this fit in? We're going to remember when Jesus encountered the woman at the well. You know, it's an interesting dialogue between the two of them. So we're going to pick up on part of that story uh, from from John four nineteen through twenty six. Sir, the woman said, "I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem." Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that 
Messiah called the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus encountered this adulterous woman at the well. And both the Jews and the Samaritans got it wrong. Both of them really got it wrong. Because they didn't understand the role of the Spirit in worship. What did Jesus say? We worship in spirit. We worship the heart. When the Holy Spirit is in us, it comes that the Spirit dwells in us. And he said, and God is what? God is spirit. So if God is spirit, we cannot confine and say God is just right here. He's in churches across our land. He's in your heart. Wherever you go, he's there. God is present everywhere. But the woman really, she wanted to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? She wanted to push and press the narrative and focus on the proper place to worship. However, Jesus wanted her to turn her heart to what she really needed, him. She needed him. So what did Jesus do? He revealed himself as the Messiah. When God speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, we need to really focus on Christ. And Jesus wants us to evaluate everything, every thought that God has given you, you think it comes from God, and myself included. He wants us to evaluate Where did it come from? But he also wants us to remember this. I've heard people say, well, God has given me new revelation. He's given me a new revelation. Well, listen, God will not give you new revelation that directly contradicts what he's already said in his word. Thus saith the Lord. He will never, ever contradict his own word. Ooh, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But it's really true. I have to measure everything through the word. We've learned that through the years. Everything must be measured through the word. Some of my own family, they sometimes run ahead of that. So if we take, we need to bring it back, circle the wagons. Does it really conform uh, with the word, or is it in conflict with the word of God? What well, God has given you, and you will know that if you seek him. Amen? So, does God speak to us? What would you say? Yes, he does. God speaks to us through applying his word in specific circumstances in our lives. Go to the word. Go to work. That Bible, I tell you, it is so... People say, well, you know, I've read the Bible a hundred times. I don't care if you've read the Bible a million times. The Bible, there's always fresh, there's something fresh that God, revelation that God will give us in this word. We will never, ever reach a point 
where we think that we know it all. When we do, then look out for you because you're up. I don't want to be standing near you because you're, you're so puffed up with pride. There's, God has a way of humbling all of us. The moment I think that I have it, know it all, that's when he hits me right between the eyes. He says, you don't know it all. You'll never know it all. Isn't he cool? God is so cool. He is so great, and he's so loving and kind to us, you know, that he gives us his truths, his promises. That's in the word. He just said, just get in the word. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to get in the word. You know, small groups, we talk about small groups are great. Small groups is a great avenue. If you have a question or whatever, say you're, you're struggling with something in the faith or whatever, what better way than to bounce it off your small group? People that have grown to trust, you know, they're in the faith or whatever, let God speak through your group. And he will do that. Maybe it's just going to be one person or whatever, but let God speak. And then step out in faith. Step out in faith. If you stumble and fall, you're seeking the right way to do it, to do it, he will pick you up and teach you a better way. Lord Jesus, we praise you and thank you so much for who you are. And I pray, Lord, as we journey through trying to discern your voice, Lord, I pray that you will just uh, block the enemy from confusing us and sending, out, sending us down wrong paths that you don't want us to go. I pray for a brother and sister in Christ right here, Lord, that you just minister to them. Those that are struggling, looking for answers, or they felt they've heard you speak to them, Lord, you give them discernment. You give them clarity of thought. You give them a process by which they can know without a doubt if it comes from you or not. You will do that for us. We just need to do our work. So we thank you, Lord. We thank you that you do speak. And you speak clearly through your, through your word. Where you are silent, Lord, if you're silent, then let us wait for you to speak. Not try to push based on our own desires and wants. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Isn't God good? Now, on a scale of what? No, I won't do that. 